another episode of the Youngin Typology Podcast, where we're here with Jeremy, Inc., and RoboT. And today we're going to talk about Model T, and we're just going to go over the progressions of uh, just like the three different models and the evolutions. Um, there's going to be a three-part segment, and Jeremy is going to go ahead and read some articles, give some examples, and show us a little bit more about what Model T is. So, Jeremy, how are you going to start us off? So I thought maybe I would start with um, just the basics of how Model T started, because it's still true today, even though it's evolved from um, a four-function model to a 24-quasi-function model. Um, and there's a lot of steps in between, but I just kind of highlighted the basics of basic Model T, the 16-quasi-function model, and then the quasi or the the asking and declaring functions. All right, so let's go ahead and start with the intro and the basic model first. And I'm definitely interested in learning more about the 24 um, model as well, because that is very interesting um, compared to the eight function model that we currently use. And I haven't gone over the material because I want to also take it from a listener's point of view and ask questions that I think a listener would be very curious in listening to. Uh, but why don't you start us off with the basic model first? Okay, so. Victor, Victor Talanov's Model T has gone many, undergone many changes in development since its inception in 2006. Um, the original version reduced the number of functions to the four original Jungian functions, and he had four parameters for each function. Um, now, the current model would be a 24 quasi-function model, and that's still under development. He is supposed to uh, have an upcoming article where he elaborates on that more, but that's been a couple of years now. I'm still waiting for it. Um, but first, we'll just outline the basis. The Model T is all about excitation, inhibition, and balance, which is adopted from the work of the uh, Pavlov, Teplov, Nebulitsyn Scientific School. So basically, the, uh, the first two functions of a sociotype are of the same introversion, extroversion of the sociotype, and the last two are the opposite. So, you know, for like an ENTP, they're their intuition and their thinking are going to be extroverted and their feeling and sensing are going to be introverted in this model. Um, so that is the, the base and the mobilizing functions are unbalanced, inert. And the creative and contact or suggestive inferior are balanced, contact. Um, so what that means um, is that for an ENTP, their function stack will be as such. They're going to have I high excitation, low inhibition, intuition, and NE. High excitation, high inhibition, thinking, EE. Low excitation, high inhibition, ethics, FI. Low excitation, low inhibition, sensing, SI. And uh, from this, we get the four lesser signs of Ryan, which are yielding, obstinate, carefree, farsighted, strategic, tactical, and constructive emotivist. And once you start putting it all, I know it sounds like a lot, but once you start putting it all together, it starts making those signs make more sense. Um, the first two are evaluatory situational functions for both rationality and irrationality, which is uh, excitation inhibition, which is um, often yielding and carefree, farsighted. And then the latter two are the balance of rational and irrational functions. So using the ENTP as an example, they are uh, carefree because of their high excitation, low inhibition intuition, and low excitation, low inhibition sensing. Um, they're yielding because they're high excitation, high inhibition logics, and low inhibition, high excitation ethics. 
um, that shows the balance of the functions. Here the ENTV is tactical because they have balanced sensing and unbalanced intuition and constructivist because they have balanced logic and unbalanced ethics. It's the Model T. So this concept can be used to look at intertype relations from this angle as excitation and inhibition can also occur between the functions of two people, not just between um, yourself, you know, intercyclically. So um, like other ideas in Model T, Talanoff suggests this, this intertype relationship model, but he never really fleshes it out and it's just kind of never gets back to it. And he kind of does this from time to time. So we'll get back to, that's the basics of it pretty much. And we can go from there because that's kind of a lot of information we'll probably need to unpack a little bit and ask some questions. Um, it's actually pretty similar. And actually that's something that Telenop noticed is that um, quasi-identicals are gonna be more similar to each other than they are to their mirrors. So, um, for the LIE, they are going to have the same high excitation, low inhibition thinking, a TE. They're going to have the high excitation, high inhibition intuition, which is why their intuition is balanced, just like the ENT, or just, yeah. Um, then they're going to have um, unbalanced sensing, so it's going to be low excitation, high inhibition, and then they're going to have balanced ethics so it's going to be low inhibition low or low excitation low inhibition so they're going to be pretty similar so the difference is going to be just like you know the um Rhinon dichotomy differences um entps are going to be or ILEs are going to be tactical so that's balanced um into or balanced sensation unbalanced intuition whereas lies are the opposite they're strategic so they're going to have balanced um, intuition and unbalanced sensing. And then the same will be for their, their thinking ethical functions. They're gonna have, um, the LIE is gonna have um, unbalanced thinking and um, balanced ethics, which is why they're emotivist and um, yielding. So they're similar, but you know, they're just kind of, kind of reversed a bit. Interesting. And how about for the um, IEE? Okay, so for ENFP, just the, way, the easy way to remember this is just if you can remember if they're tactical, strategic, or yielding, or obstinate, um, constructive, emotivist, and all that. So they're going to have um, their extroverts, so they're going to have high excitation, um, intuition, low, ex low inhibition. Um, intuition um then they're going to have high inhibition or high excitation feeling high inhibition uh, feeling as well like it's in that kind of wrong um then their sensing is going to be uh balanced so it's going to be low inhibition low uh, excitation and their thinking is going to be unbalanced so that's going to be um low excitation, high inhibition. Interesting. So one of the questions that popped up in my mind is that Golenko doesn't really use the more of the contact dichotomies or contact inert dichotomies like um, tactical and strategic or constructivist versus emotionalist. 
Do you think it's because he doesn't really see or use Model T? And that's kind of why he doesn't see this? Um, I'm not exactly sure, because I know he uses them a little bit when he's talking about, um, you know, like the, I think the, the waves of renewal and, you know, we're talking about processing results in combination with um, ethical and logical functions and sensory, you know, the, the basic, you know, the Jungian functions. So I'm not really sure why. I, I don't think that, I mean, I know that Talanov and Glenko are aware of each other's work and sometimes they, they criticize it and sometimes they kind of agree with it. I'm not really sure why Glenko doesn't do that. I know he specifically said that um, strategic and tactical should be switched. Like LIIs are tactical and ILIs are strategic. You, maybe as an LI, see how it works out and how it plays out. So then we kind of have a more concrete example to kind of base that theory off and then look at it from a more practical aspect. Okay. Um, well, I think this is pretty similar to Model G. I think there might be a little bit of variance. Um, you know, inhibition is the same as braking. You know, so like if you think of the brake function or uh, the control function, you know, the, the, there's a lot of inhibition there. There's not a lot of energy. So um, there's, there's going to be some difference because basic model T is a four function model. And, um, you know, model G is eight, obviously. So for like uh, my TE, it would be a low, that'd be a good example of low excitation. And um, it'd probably be high inhibition if you, if you work the model out that way. You know, it's just like, you just don't have the energy for it. Same with SE, you know, because my sensing would be, um, well, that's kind of unbalanced. So it's going to be high excitation, low inhibition. Yeah. That doesn't quite make, that's one of the ones that doesn't quite make sense with Model T. But it would have, would have um, SI, because that would be, you know, a low energy function as well. Um, so anyway, so for TI, it being low excitation, high inhibition, it's kind of hard to put that in terms as far as energy goes without get, going into the obstinate trait, which is kind of like, um, it's really zoomed into fine details. So I like to use the, the metaphor of like um, a microscope. So low inhibition thinking is kind of like really zoomed into the fine details of a, of a subject where like, high inhibition or high excitation um, thinking is going to be like zoomed out so you can see more broader details if you're like a, a yielding type but if you're obstinate type you're going to be really zoomed into the the finer details and that noise around you gets to be really distracting you just don't really have like you, you can only see so much you can only you're like zoomed in really close so the periphery is just really almost as if it wasn't there and what is there is really Annoying, distracting. That's why you just like I can't. I can't do a lot of stats and figures, and it's like just you know, gotta have a, a, a really deep focus. So then, um, with intuition, that's going to be balanced. That's going to be 
high or low excitation, low inhibition. So that's going to be um, also fine details. That's also going to be um, far-sighted. So it's going to be very similar to thinking that way, but there's going to be um, more of a break. It's going to be balanced. You know, so I can like kind of use it as I want, kind of like how they say model G, where you get like the um, the optimum energy level there for introvert intuition. Extrovert intuition, it's 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 you know, there's more energy. So then with sensing, okay, with feeling, it's going to be balanced as well. It's where you get to emotivism. So that's going to be low inhibition low um, excitation. There's not a lot of energy there, but it's just, yeah, I don't know. I have a hard time thinking of multi like that. I, I do much better with um, the Ryan dichotomies in terms of multi. Um, for emotivism, which is what that is, it's, it, likes, it, it likes really strong signaled feeling. So like I like really intense music, like really intense rock music, you know, it's got to really kind of say something to me. I kind of like, you know, like sometimes you're gonna feel the crowd as opposed to like um, you know yielding is gonna or not yielding and constructivism is gonna be much more and I kind of think of it as like cold play music, like it doesn't really excite anything, it's just really kind of low key. It's just like it won't it doesn't want those strong signals, it wants just very fine signal feeling. I'm less able to uh, improvise in that. Like, why should we adopt this model besides the... No, I can try to answer it anyway. Okay. Um, I, so I still think in more in terms of model A and model G and the BB model at times, but um, what I really like about the Talanov model is that he gets a lot of really interesting data points. Like um, when I was looking at the asking and clearing functions today, um, Introverted quest types or asking types have a tendency to write their words not necessarily sequentially. So it's kind of like being um, uh, dyslexic, but not really. So, like, sometimes I'll, like, if I'm writing the, I'll like T, E, and H, and I'll put, you know, kind of put it like that. So you get like really these interesting data points, which you'd never really think of before. And it kind of clarifies. Some things like um, some of the things that are actually usually attributed to um, positivism are actually a sign of declarative um, declarativity, however that would, would be. Um, really, I just like the kind of semantic content of his signs. You know, like I really like his the way he describes the lesser signs of Ryan. You know, the balance and inhibition, and like the low signaling and the high signaling. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's something that's really unique to his model. It's not really founded in any other. I mean, like his asking declaring functions, you'll find a lot of that in like uh, Stratovskaya's work and Glenko's, and it's a lot of it's really kind of known model A theory, but he's kind of making it into um, a more of a structured model where like those those four functions those four grind economies the asking clearing the process results positive negativist and um uh, what's the other one um 
Oh, it's aristocratic democratic. That's what it is. Sorry. Those don't didn't really seem like a place. You know, they're just like kind of about blocking. But the when you get into like if we we're going to do like part three tonight, it kind of ties it all together. Like, oh, those make sense as much as you know all the other dichotomies. They're not just like kind of hanging out there like in the limbo anymore. So that's what I like about model T. What what else he does is he kind of gets to like the root of the functions, and his model's not symmetrical. So he says, like for one thing, um, T I and T E are almost impossible to use without each other. That you know, it's really kind of, you know, you, you just can't do like logical operations without using both, both um, extrovert and introvert forms of it. But then, like, extrovert sensing, introvert sensing are the most diverse on that pole because they they're the oldest and they, you know, they've had time to evolve and. Then, you know, he does comparisons like that, like compares the functions in a way that no one else really does. So that's that's what I like about Model T. Like, I don't really use it. I don't really think in terms of Model T. That's why it's really kind of hard for me to answer that question. Is like how my functions are in terms of that, because I don't know if if it's entirely correct, because he doesn't really have a lot of people checking him. He just kind of has like fanboys or just like 100% Model T and don't really examine the discrepancies. And there's people like, oh, well, he's just nuts. So I kind of want to be kind of in between there and adopt some of this stuff, but still kind of think in model in terms of model A and G, you know, because I think it makes more sense. So um, I just mentioned that the uh, the methodology of model T is different than the other school in sociologics. Kalanad uses exclusive use of questionnaires to obtain his findings, which he weights and standardizes results to attempt to have an objective technology. He's written extensively about this methodology. If you're interested in reading about that, then you can read pages and pages of that stuff. But what's relevant here is that um, when he's looking at the functional contributions for each function model A, and he came to the following rank, it's a base, demonstrative, control, role, which is very slightly higher than the creative function, kind of surprisingly. It's um, 0 0.04 compared to 0.03. And then there's negative values for the mobilizing, suggestive, and vulnerable. And the important part is that after the base, the demonstrative and the control functions are stronger than creative and vulnerable functions. And the vulnerable function is significantly weak in any other function. So this means that um, ILEs and LEIs -E -E are more similar in cognition than LEIs or ILIs. Um, so that's what I was saying earlier before about them. Quasi-identicals are more similar than um, other similar types like uh, intuitive dominance or um, mirrors. And this is because we're used to more looking at shared quadrant values and signs of stack dynamics when comparing like ILEs and LIs. Uh, but these traits aren't as strong as the functional components. Um, introversion, intuition, logic are stronger. About that time um, that he was working on this, Helenov started collaborating with another sociologist named uh, Kizniak. And they found that the, the base function is basically a redundancy of the function, and the creative function is marked by both a stronger demonstrative and a deficit of vulnerable. So for an LRI, um, it's more kind of like their intuition is more like a, a static version of NI, and it's marked by a, a deficit of FC. It just really is just not that um, extroverted sensing component to the extroverted perceiving component of their auxiliary function. 